before we dive into this week's episode, I want to tell you all about my brand new masterclass, Four Things You Need to Know to Get into Superhero Shape Over 40. And yes, this includes our four-step superhero formula for body shape change for women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And yes, you will learn exactly what to focus on to get sexy strong without wasting your time, energy, and money that doesn't involve spending hours in the kitchen or gym every day. And even if you have an injury or hormonal struggles or are feeling far from super right now. And this masterclass delivers on a step-by-step formula and busts crazy diet and exercise myths that you may not know you even believed. Which means you don't have to rely on guesswork and Google and wading through hours of conflicting health and fitness information online. So you just spend 60 minutes of your time and we can promise to give you back hours. So come check it out now for free at warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash masterclass. Okay, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to the Goddess Got Goals podcast as we continue our kettlebell training series. I am Lisa Barwise. I am the hostess with the mostess. I'm here to teach you all about the 15 most common mistakes women make when they start kettlebell training. So shall we get started? Yes. Okay, I want to share with you the 15 most common mistakes that I uh, see, the most popular kettlebell mistakes that I've seen over the last six years of teaching women uh, kettlebell training, and not just kettlebell training classes, but also uh, teaching and training other personal trainers and other kettlebell coaches too. And I've seen many common mistakes, so I'm going to outline these for you today across 15 of them. So without further ado, let's get started. So number one is not mastering the hip hinge before the swing. Now, we talked a lot about the most frequently asked questions last week. We're going to give you lots of references for resources and tools and things that we have. But this is the biggest one, not mastering the hip hinge before the swing. Because the corner of all kettlebell training is the kettlebell swing. The swing produces full body results with just one movement. However, the kettlebell swing is dynamic or explosive um, with lots of moving parts. Performing the swing incorrectly may be magnified quickly and you can see the, you know, see the problems and it can result in injuries pretty quickly. So just as you shouldn't run before you can walk, you shouldn't swing before you can hip hinge. So beginners must be patient and master the hip hinge first. Practice then maybe the one-arm deadlift first uh, before progressing onto the kettlebell swing. Of course, we have for you um, the video of how to master the hip hinge, not just on our tools page um, on the Warrior Goddess Kettlebell Training website, but also uh, on YouTube and in our ultimate guide to the kettlebell swing. It's really important that you master this hinge first. Okay. It's really important that you master that hip hinge. If you have any difficulties as part of our ultimate plan, and of course our six week challenge and sexy strong program, we get our clients to take videos for us to be able to give them direct coaching of their kettlebell swing. And we also have our zoom school, our monthly zoom personal training session, where we just school one movement, the swing, or we also have like the clean or the Turkish getup. But we want to make sure that you master this before adding any additional weight. 
So you can check out Mastering the Hip Hinge. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. We are on episode 44. Uh, you'll be able to access that and access the information that you need. Okay, number two is using the shoulders when swinging. You can see a pattern here <laughs> with regards to the common mistakes that I see. Um, so continuing on from that kettlebell swing, a very common problem I see is that you use your arms and shoulders instead of using your hips, your glutes, your butt. So rather than driving from that ex explosive drive from the hips, um, this can actually mean that that's why you have sore shoulders and indeed shoulder injuries when using the kettlebell swing. If you are feeling pain in your shoulders after doing kettlebell swing workouts, you are doing them incorrectly. Okay, it shouldn't be using and hurting your arms at all. So it's the overuse of this from the inability to hip hinge and the correct lack of that hip drive or hip snap. The arms and shoulders should really be thought of as an extension of the body, an extension of the bell, and purely there to guide the kettlebell. So I want you to think about, can you remember back in the 90s when executives, or even the 80s, used to have that little ball-bearing um, game or or thing on their, their desks. You know, the ones with the swinging ball bearings that basically each of these balls or ball bearings would be on a little bit of wire and you would pull back one side and let it go. And it would cause the ball at the other side to swing up. Now, was it the wire that was pulling that ball bearing up? No, it was the pull back of that other ball bearing, the release, which is the snap and drive that caused that other one to rise. That's what we're trying to help you with with regards to this kettlebell swing. That's the kettlebell swing hip hinge movement. Uh, and you can see that it doesn't use the shoulders. Okay, number three, leaning too far backwards when swinging. Yep, the swing, of course. Okay, we call this hyperextending through the, the lower back and reason why some of you talk about lower back strain. So this is another common mistake when swinging the kettlebell, leaning too far backwards and putting additional strain on the lower back. The top position of the kettlebell swing should be bolt upright. Okay, bolt upright, just like a standing plank, the abs are core and tight. You're squeezing your glutes, your knees are locked out. Um, a really important cue or, or teaching point I have here is that I want you to think about driving your head upwards and standing tall, not driving your head backwards. So don't imagine somebody pulling at the back of your skull to stand up, that they're actually just pulling at the top of your head through the crown of your head as you stand tall. That should help. Okay, number four, buying and using the wrong type of kettlebell. So with the explosion of kettlebell training and it becoming very popular, there are a huge range of kettlebells available to purchase. However, most of them available to buy have not been designed by people who actually use kettlebells. Is that irony? Is that the true definition of that? So purchasing the wrong type of bell can result in bruised and damaged wrists, unnatural holding positions, and the inability to perform many of the exercises. Also, this whole propensity for vinyl-covered kettlebells that are plastic-covered the seams in the plastic can actually rub and shred your hands. Also, as you start to get sweaty, can make you feel like the, the grips are getting loose. And it's really important that you avoid those types of bells. Uh, competition type kettlebells, the traditional ones, with this, which are made out of stainless steel, not cast iron, are only suitable really for one-handed exercise and are kind of awkward to hold in many of the holding positions, including the all-important goblet squat. And specifically for ladies, trying to get two of those bells underneath your legs ain't going to work, okay? So keep the competition bells for kettlebell competition users and find ones that work for you. 
Of course, we've got you covered to our ultimate guide to buying your first kettlebell, including me taking you through all of the different ones that don't work, as well as the ones that do. Okay. Um, Number five, cocking or bending the wrist, breaking the line, as I call it. So when holding the kettlebell in the racked position against the chest or when the arm is locked out in the overhead position, the wrist must be kept straight. So if you were to do this now, uh, looking at your arm, make a fist, okay, tuck your elbow in right beside your boobs, ladies, imagine that there's no space underneath your armpit, okay? You want to make sure that the knuckle of your pinky is in line with your elbow, that there's a straight line from elbow to the knuckle of the pinky, and that's the way that you want to keep it. It's really important that when you've pressed the bell overhead, that this is where it goes, and also when you racked the bell. So bending or cocking or breaking that line is very common and weakens the arm as well as strains the wrist and the forearm. If you're using a kettlebell that is designed badly, that's why we talked about that a minute ago, um, then keeping the, the wrist straight can be painful, leading to bad technique through many of the kettlebell exercises. Okay, number six, winging the elbow in the racked position. What we mean by winging is having it um, out of the body, not tucked in nice and tight. The kettlebell's natural resting position for many of the exercise is the racked position against the chest. This racked position helps the bell to nestle in just above the elbow and keeps it nice and close and tight. In the racked position, the kettlebell should be held with a straight wrist, yet again, the elbow down against the chest. Now, a very common issue I see um, is the elbow being winged out to the side and the kettlebell being held out against the shoulder. Holding the kettlebell out in this way puts additional strain on the shoulder joint, which causes problems very quickly as the shoulder joint begins to fatigue quickly. And then, of course, ladies will naturally hold the kettlebell slightly further out from their midline due to their boobs. So, um, but that said, I have large boobs and I can hold it there. So just know that it gets nestled in nice and tight to your sternum. Yeah. And nice and tight and compact. That's where we want it in there for you. Again, we cover the holding positions of how to hold a kettlebell in our uh, beginner's guide to kettlebell training. We'll pop that in the show notes for you. Number seven, starting with a kettlebell that is too light. Oh my goodness, I see this all of the time as well. So unlike dumbbell type exercises that isolate certain muscles, kettlebell training uses big muscles and hundreds of muscles at a time. So as the movements used are compound and multi-jointed, the amount you can lift is greatly increased. The consequence of all of this is the ability to lift a lot more weight than you think. And this is the thing that women need to kind of get over, I think. It's so interesting. Women carry children, dogs, and shopping like there's no tomorrow. Some of the bags that you carry with laptops and stuff in it as well. But yet you stick a label on something that says 8 kilo or 15 pounds and they freak out. And I get it, right? You don't want to worry or injure yourself, etc. However, you are stronger than you think. And it's so important that you start out with the correct weight. Women should begin with an 8 kilo. Uh, And men can be either a 12 kilo or a 16 kilo. Uh, An eight kilo is about 15 pounds. Now, that said, we do encourage that women have lighter bells for upper body work as you build up. So if you're somebody who's not done any sort of strength training whatsoever, um, and you want, and you have literally like when I first started the upper body strength of a Tyrannosaurus Rex with little baby arms, we do suggest that you could invest in a six kilo for some upper body moves or two times four kilos, which still gets you to press heavy overhead and will keep the balance and the conditioning across both sides. Number eight, starting with a kettlebell that is too heavy. 
okay? The beauty of kettlebell training is the dynamic movements, the swings and the flows. As you swing a kettlebell, its mass increases. The kettlebell's mass needs to be as accelerated, but more importantly, decelerated. Decelerating a swinging 16 kilo kettlebell takes a huge amount of effort from the muscles as well as the tendons and the ligaments. The upshot of all of this is that a 16 kilo swinging kettlebell takes a lot more effort to control than using, say, a traditional 16 kilo dumbbell. Start with the kettlebell weights that I've mentioned above and avoid putting um, your kettlebell training on hold because you got injured, right? There is a method to our madness. When you follow a progressive overload training plan, you will only increase the weight when your body is ready to increase that weight. Okay, number nine, focus in on isolation exercises rather than compound movements. It's common to see kettlebells being used like dumbbells, right? And it is one of the key benefits of kettlebells is that they can do lots of things differently to dumbbells. And the ability to swing and dynamically move from one exercise to the next uh, while keeping the heart rate elevated is its key benefit. So using the, the kettlebell for bicep curls and tricep extensions and shoulder raises can defeat the purpose of kettlebell training unless it is part of a overall movement flow. That said, because I also have a background in bodybuilding, I like to pick certain movements that I know women want to increase their strength um, as we build up. So for me, as a woman who had absolutely no upper body strength, being able to do bicep curls and tricep extensions with a kettlebell was a way for me to increase muscle strength in that area um, without having to use a heavier bell. So we balanced out the wonderful benefits of kettlebell training, adding just the occasional um, isolated movement specifically for the muscle groups that women want and need as they get stronger as complete beginners to kettlebell training or strength training full stop. So again, you can find out more about how we use kettlebell flows um, uh, as you progress into our different uh, plans and more plan and advanced plans. And you can check out how we use flows uh, all across our workouts that you will see on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, number 10, pressing the kettlebell before holding the kettlebell. This is a biggie. Around every joint, there are small muscles that help control and maintain stability and position of the joint structure. We call these stabilizing muscles. These stabilizing muscles are built for endurance and not strength. Strength for large movements comes from the prime mover muscles or your global muscles, known as your pecs, pectorals, your lats, your deltoids, etc. right? So a common mistake made when kettlebell training is failing to develop the small stabilizing muscles first before working on the large prime mover muscles. So before pressing heavy weights overhead, you should first master holding the kettlebell overhead. Holding the kettlebell overhead works on the stabilizing muscles. You should practice holding the kettlebell overhead for as long as you want to eventually press the kettlebell overhead. This is why we start with the Turkish getup. And after your initial six weeks or four week introduction to kettlebell training, we introduce you to the, the Turkish getup so that you can begin to develop those small stabilizing muscles. Yeah. Um, we talk about the Turkish getup. We have a step-by-step -step guide, which of course I'll pop in the show notes for you. So number 11, 
is about neglecting the Turkish getup. Do you see that there's a method to our madness here? Yeah, and don't worry, we've always got you covered with a video, a step-by-step -step guide, a blog post, or of course the podcast to help you with this. So number 11, neglecting the Turkish getup. The Turkish getup can be a very challenging exercise, but that doesn't mean it should be avoided. The Turkish getup serves as both a full body conditioning exercise as well as an assessment tool. Beginners should work on the getup as soon as they have mastered the kettlebell swing because it helps to improve the stability of the joints as well as the mobility of the joints while also improving core strength. The Turkish getup in essence is a shoulder and core movement. Failure to master the Turkish getup demonstrates weaknesses throughout the body that will later be exploited by more advanced kettlebell exercises. So beginners can start practicing the getup without a bell or by holding a bottle of water or a shoe, which we demonstrate in our step-by-step -step guide, before slowly loading um, some, put some load or some weight into that movement pattern. So again, if you want to find out more about how to do the Turkish getup, We've got Coach B demonstrating that for you as part of our kettlebell school guides. We'll pop the link in the show notes. Okay, number 12. Guess what? Rushing the, kettle, uh, the kettlebell Turkish getup. So you can see that there's a pattern here. It's mostly swings and getups, which happen to be the fundamental kettlebell moves that we do see common errors. But we want to make sure that you are taking things step by step to get there. So as mentioned above, the Turkish getup is a very important exercise that can be challenging to begin with. It is very common to see the getup movements rushed because you're trying to use the body's momentum to make it easier. So rather than use the muscle or the stabilizer muscles, you're just using momentum to make it easier. However, most of these benefits can be lost if you speed through the exercise without performing the various stages correctly. For example, and I see this one a lot, it's common to see the one heel come off the floor during the first sit-up stage of the Turkish getup. And this is a clue that the beginner has a weak core and is using their hip flexors to compensate. Yep, we talk about imbalances and compensations, yeah, um, in our most frequently asked questions in our uh, previous podcast. Go and check that out. So it's important that you take things slowly, step by step, and progress each element as you work through. So the full Turkish getup should take about 45 to 60 seconds per repetition if performed correctly. Okay, number 13, we're coming around the mountain. We're coming around the edge here as we finish these off. Swing versus Turkish getup and balances. Yep, we're going to talk about this again. So it's important to balance the body with all types of exercises to avoid compensations, bad posture and injuries. So what we mean by that is although we want you to work upper body and lower body, and we want you to make sure that your left side and your right side are balanced and of equal strength, we also want to make sure that you're doing um, the right type of pushing, uh, pulling and other movement patterns like the hip hinge, etc., so that you're balancing out the body and you're getting rid of any imbalances, which is one of the crazy benefits of kettlebell training. So when you, um, when the two-handed swing is progressed to the one-handed swing, for example, it's important to match the same weight with the Turkish getup. So normally when we say doing the, when you move from a two-handed to a one-handed swing, you're going down a weight. So you maybe go down from an eight kilo to a six kilo, for example. And most women, once they've mastered the Turkish getup, start between four and six. Okay. So that's your, 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 your mid range. I want you to think about that. That's your weight and size proportions. So if someone is swinging one-handed at 
16 kilos kettlebells, which is about 35 pounds, they should be able to do a full Turkish getup with the same weight. Yeah, so I can do one-handed swings at 16 kilos. Actually, I can do them heavier. I can do them at 20. Um, and I can do a Turkish getup at 16. So that's fine. But it took me a while to get my Turkish getup there. I was able to swing quicker than I was doing the Turkish getup. But it's important that you do this in the correct order to improve your joint stability and mobility as well as the core strength. If someone can swing with one hand much more than they can use for a getup, it is that showing that there is an imbalance and potential for many issues further in their training. Okay, not swing, uh, not squatting deep enough. Not squatting deep enough is one of the big ones that I want to talk about. So not squatting deep enough um, and seeing shallow squats happen everywhere is definitely a thing. But of course, we've got a guide for you, so keep on listening. Um, but I see shallow squat techniques happen daily basis in gyms when I could go to the gym um, and also across the internet, okay? Uh, and with my clients too. But the ability to squat deep is a natural movement pattern that we were born with. It starts off when we were children, even before we were able to walk. So when you squat down so that your thighs are parallel with the floor, you then actually engage your butt muscles. If you're not getting down to that parallel level, you're just using your quads and hamstrings and your poor old knees. You want to get to that parallel or below movement to truly engage your butt or your glutes. So failure to squat down to parallel eliminates half of the benefits of the exercise, as well as developing a shallow pattern that prevents um, pumping of the joints and reduces the mobility. You'll just end up getting stuck at that level. The majority of, of women who find the deep squat painful on their knees usually lack the strength or mobility to that movement pattern. So the deep squat pattern can be improved by using holding onto a pole, um, a chair, um, a windowsill, uh, a door handle. Uh, you can get a TRX unit if you can get that at home um, or, a or a band of some description or sitting down and standing up from a low box. That would really help as well or a chair. Until the deep squat is mastered without a kettlebell, it should not be loaded with a kettlebell. So how low are you going with your squats? And of course, we got you covered of how to improve your squat using bands and other techniques over on our uh, ultimate squatting guide. I'll pop the link in the show notes. Okay, number 15, final one for you today is overcomplicating kettlebell workouts. Oh, I see this common mistake a lot, okay? So it all stems from an ability to be present and to understand that kettlebell training is more of a practice than it is about entertainment. Workouts are not here to entertain, right? You are training towards a goal. You're training towards um, progression, which is either getting stronger, fitter, uh, etc. And it's important that you understand that... Um, it's training. It's not exercise. It's not exercise entertainment. Yeah. It's not punishment for what you ate. It's not, you know, a way for you to, yes, it's good for your mental health, etc. but it has a purpose. It has an intention. And it's very tempting when someone first starts kettlebell training to look at YouTube and see all these exciting new exercises and perform as many of them as possible, right? And try to do X, Y, and Z. However, kettlebell training should be based on specific movement patterns and progress slowly before moving on to the next variation of the exercise. So there's a reason why we have a written 
training plan that schools movements over a number of weeks. So although it might feel like you're doing the same repetitions over and over, it's because we need for you to build those stabilizing muscles, balance out the body, that you're not going to be injuring yourself, and that you're learning to do these movements and building up muscle memory. Yep. As mentioned before, it's about trying to run before you can walk. It's not a great idea. So the first goal of any kettlebell you know, training trainee should be to master the kettlebell swing. Yeah, the majority of kettlebell training results can come from this one exercise. And then once the kettlebell can be swung confidently, you can progress onto the Turkish getup. Now we do a lot of extra movements like planking and helping you to build other stabilization muscles, as well as giving you some fun exercises to do to help you um, to, to make sure you're getting the workouts completed. We understand that, but we want to drill you on getting the swing correct and getting up to all the different ways that you can do it, working up to 60 seconds of continuous swings and five nonstop get-ups on each side. So when you can master those, then you're able to progress and move on to something else. So I hope that these common mistakes were here as a guide for you. No judgment, of course. We're just here to offer our wisdom of um, the wisdom that I have for the last six years of working with thousands of women, teaching thousands of kettlebell classes and trying to prevent crunchy kettlebell swing and bad backs and lower back pain from incorrect movements and for, you know, again, progressing too eagerly or enthusiastically and not understanding the purpose that is what kettlebell training is. So we're going to continue our, our kettlebell training uh, three-part guide uh, next week, same time, same place next week on how to get started. So we're going to just take you step by step through what we do in our beginner's training plan, uh, what we do and how we teach you, you know, when to train, how much, how long to train, what weights you're going to be training with, what equipment you're going to need to set up. Literally our beginner's guide in a podcast, but also giving you some tips and tricks to get you started um, so that you're doing it effectively, efficiently, without fear of injury, without fear of um, that you're doing it wrong or all of these things. So we're going to really help you to get started with your kettlebell training practice. But what we suggest, as always, go on over to the show notes, warriorgoddesskettlebelltraining.com forward slash podcasts forward slash 44, where you will have access to all of our blog posts, where we have video guides, step-by-step instructions, um, and where you can comment in the blog, of course, to get feedback and suggestions, where you can also um, come into our uh, tribe Facebook group and ask questions because we want to get you swinging. We want to get you tapping into the power of this awesome thing that is kettlebell training. Um, and we want you to be accessing this amazing tool to help you to get the body and the lifestyle and the fitness and everything else that you want um, that you've always dreamed of because that's what that's the power of what this tool can do. So again, we're going to continue this series next next week with the how to get started guide. In the meantime, pop on over to the website, check out those resources, come join us in our free tri tribe Facebook community to ask questions, and let's get you swinging. So I look forward to catching up with you same time, same place next week. If you enjoyed this episode, go on over to iTunes, write a review, let us know what you think, uh, share it out with friends. Uh, we much appreciate all of your love and support here at the Goddess Got Goals podcast, and we're continuing our love of all things kettlebell training um, as we continue this series. So. Until then, same time, same place next week. Enjoy. Um, bye for now and peace out.